Walking the Dog is an amateur podcast devised, recorded, edited and produced by me, creation speaker Paul Taylor. I work for the Ministry of Creation Today in Pensacola, Florida, website creationtoday.org and I'm the co-presenter of the Creation Today show, though this podcast is produced privately from my personal website just6days.com. As an amateur effort, it doesn't have the same level of production as our ministry products. The podcast is called Walking the Dog because I record it while walking my dog Fraser, who is a Shetland sheepdog. This explains the background noises of birds, frogs and trains that you will hear, as well as barking. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are my own. Hello, welcome to the seventh episode of Walking the Dog. My name's Paul Taylor, and I'm out walking my dog Fraser, so if you hear any barking in the background, that's what it'll be. He's off running after something at the moment. He's seen a squirrel, and uh, being a dog with ADHD, he's always chasing after squirrels, but they never seem to want to stop and play with him. Uh, This may possibly be the uh, last episode of the podcast before Christmas 2012, and so I thought I'd... uh, think of a few things to do with Christmas, to do with uh, what happens at this time of year. My attention was drawn recently as I uh, took the uh, artificial Christmas tree into the house, ready to decorate it. My attention was drawn to Jeremiah chapter 10, as uh, a couple of people were quite keen to tell me that this forbids Christmas trees, because it talks about taking a tree into the house and decorating it with gold and silver, and how this is a wrong thing to do. I was then told various legends about what people were supposed to have done in the past with trees, even uh, unfortunately the people concerned were not able to give me the reference for those particular historical events. Now that always sends alarm bells because it suggests that people have got a story that's been passed down. They haven't made it up but it's been passed down, it's been passed around to justify particular points of view. You see, when I've read Jeremiah 10, I've never got that particular impression. See, why is the tree being chopped down? The tree has been chopped down as a source of wood. And what actually is being taken into the house and decorated? Not a tree still intact as a tree. What is uh, in Jeremiah 10 has been taken into the house is a tree that's been fashioned. It says that you make an idol with your own hands. The point is that the people being described in Jeremiah have made an idol. They've made an idol out of wood, and the point that the prophet's making, or rather that God's making through the prophet, is you know that you have done this yourself. You know right from the beginning, because you started it from the beginning, you went into the forest, you had an axe, you chopped down a tree. You know where it came from, you fashioned it yourself, you've taken it into the house, you have decorated it. And then what do you do? You bow down to it and worship it as the creator of the universe. But you know that it cannot be the creator of the universe, because you have fashioned it with your own hands. You know, in the 21st century, we're a little bit more sophisticated. Or are we? Because most of our idols are not fashioned physically, but fashioned mentally. And I would dare to add, really fashioned spiritually. 
You see, people will say to me, see, my God's like this. My God wouldn't send anyone to hell. My God is a God of love. My God is, you know, the God of everybody, and we all worship the same God in different ways. And uh, variations on that theme. And of course, the answer to that when someone says, well, my God would never send anyone to hell, the well-known answer to that is, uh, of course, you're absolutely right. Your God wouldn't send anyone to hell because your God doesn't exist. You've made him up in your head. But you're saying this is the God. It's the same God as the God of the Bible. It's the same God that Christians worship. But hold on a minute. You have made the decisions. You have made the thought process. You have decided this is the God that I choose to believe in. It's my decision. You might just as well have gone into the forest with an axe and cut down your own tree, stripped off its branches and made your own physical idol to take into the house because you've done the same thing. You've gone into the forest of ideas and you've chopped down an idea as a tree and you've taken it into your own house of your own thoughts and you've fashioned it there and you've decorated it a bit with other people's ideas the golden silver, other people's ideas uh, fond thoughts, maybe you'll come back one day something better if you're good maybe uh, your God will just love everybody maybe everyone will be able to get together you have fashioned the decorations of your own dreams and if you stop and think and think logically you have done this how can you then say that this is the God who made the universe it isn't that is not the true God and you see atheists understand that argument and they ridicule that kind of God and rightly so what they fail to notice is that there is no logic in saying that there is no God of course God exists the God of the Bible exists if we're going to know the true God the only way that we can know the true God is not through inventing ideas about him in our heads but by listening to the revelation that he has revealed and we have that revelation in a book God has revealed himself in a book so we come up with our own ideas, we say this bit we can believe, that bit we can't believe, we can't fully believe Genesis as it's written maybe, and we make our own decorations in our head, because we want the God that's, that's okay for us, the God that will make the front room of our thoughts look decorative. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about making a tree in our heads, we're talking about making an idol in our heads. The Christmas tree itself is something different because it's not mentioned in the Bible because I strongly believe that Jeremiah 10 is not talking about a tree, it's talking about an idol. Because the tree has a decoration, it's not mentioned in the Bible, we have liberty. We have liberty whether we want to or not. I have no problem with people who don't want Christmas trees in their house. I like a Christmas tree in my house. I bring it into the house because it's something God's made. It smells good. It's just... It just um, it's a wonderful thing to be able to decorate it. I don't need that. Uh, I don't even need the time of year. So people, some people like to point out to me, well, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. That doesn't matter either. So people say, well, it was a pagan ceremony at one time. That actually doesn't matter either, though in fact they're not quite correct, so you can analyse these things a little bit further and you'll see that it's a lot more complicated than people would like to say. What does it say about every day? 
in the Bible. What does it tell us about every day of the year? Is there a day of the year like December 25th which the devil has made and Christians want to wrongly worship Jesus, the uh, incarnate saviour on that day? No. The Bible tells us clearly about December 25th and December 24th and December 23rd and every other day in the year it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to remember the incarnation of Jesus on December 25th. It's convenient because millions and millions of other people are doing so. I don't need to, it's not essential for my salvation. But I love it. I love the fact that collectively many people are doing so. I love the fact that many people who are not really Christians are talking about Jesus, giving me the opportunity to share with them about the Gospel. I love this time of year. I love Christmas. I love the decorations that go with them. They're not forbidden. I love the fact that Jesus is the one who made this world that we live in. Because Jeremiah 10 goes on to say this very important thing, and this I think is the whole crux of, Genesis, of Jeremiah chapter 10, I beg your pardon, not Genesis, Jeremiah chapter 10. It's the whole crux of this chapter of the Bible. It says, the gods who did not make the world will perish. The gods who did not make the world will perish. The idol that you take into your house will perish. If your house catches fire, your God will catch fire. He'll be no more because you made him. When your ideas and your heads are overturned by the fire of reality, your God will perish. He won't save you. But there is the true God and you need to bow your knee and worship him. God who's revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ. And that's who we worship. That's who I choose to worship at December 25th and every day of the year. The days that the Lord has made. The moon has looked particularly good over the last couple of nights. Just a very, very thin sliver of a crescent. And on the, the larger portion of the moon, uh, you can see the sort of ashen light that many people notice. You know, the sort of new moon area of the moon. There's very little, only a very thin sliver of a crescent. Uh, last night a bit bigger, but the night before very, very thin. It was a, just a beautiful sight. The rest of the moon, though, you could see it was glowing very, very faintly. That light is... Uh, well, we know that the light of the moon normally is reflected sunlight. It doesn't have light of its own. So the crescent bit is the light reflecting off the sun. And as usual, with such a very thin crescent, the moon sets very early itself, because it, it, obviously in that condition it's going to be following the sun uh, in the uh, apparent sky quite quickly. So it sets very quickly. Um, the ashen light is actually the Earth's light, and of course the Earth doesn't give off light either, so the Sun's light is reflecting off the Earth and reflecting to the Moon. On the Moon you can see the Earth, but the Earth is a lot more reflective than the Moon, so if actually the Earth is a lot brighter on the Moon than the Moon is on the Earth. And the, the light is so bright that under certain conditions you can actually get that light reflected back to the Earth again. So the light is reflected from the Sun to the Earth, to the Moon, and back to the Earth again. And that's the faint glow you can see under certain conditions in the ashen light. Of course, as I said last night there was a thin crescent, the night before a terribly thin crescent. The night before that would have been the last of three days of the new Moon, when you can't actually see the Moon. And the new Moon, you can pinpoint 
pointed to one day, but actually the day before and the day after, it's still new as well. It's three days to the new moon. And that's tremendously significant, because we have this uh, wonderful passage in the Bible which talks about the moon being a faithful witness in the sky. The moon is the faithful witness in the sky. In what way can the moon possibly be a witness? How can the moon be a witness? And I don't want to push things too far. And if what I'm saying now is not correct, it's not a major point of doctrine, okay? I'm not going to declare you a heretic if you don't accept it. I hope you won't declare me a heretic. But it certainly does put me in mind of this. The moon dies apparently it appears to die and three days later you see it again three days later we have the tiny little thin sliver as the moon reappeared in the sky if the moon was described in the Old Testament as the faithful witness what's that looking forward to what was going to die and come back to life three days later the answer is of course Jesus Christ the moon is put in the sky by Jesus himself because Jesus is the person of the Trinity who did the creating. This is emphasizing the point that Jesus is God, by the way, for those who don't want to follow the Trinity, who don't want to believe in the Trinity. Jesus is God because the New Testament tells us that by him, for him and through him was everything made that was made. And yet, uh, in other passages we read very strongly that there is only one God. There's only one God and yet we read about three persons are all taught about as God, the only logical construct is that uh, he's a trinity, Fa Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The trinity, one God, three persons. And the moon in the sky is the faithful witness. Faithful witness. Of course if I'm wrong on that idea about the moon, it doesn't alter the truth of who Jesus is. But, uh, it's interesting, it's an interesting sort of idea that maybe that's what we're referring to, the moon is the faithful witness. We see it die in the sky, we see it come to life again. We know that that's happening over and over again because we've been reminded over and over again. But of course Jesus just died once, once for all, once for all, and came to life once as the proof that we who believe in him, who've repented of our sins and trusted in him will rise with him. That was Walking the Dog, an amateur podcast on biblical issues. It can be found at the personal website of Paul Taylor, just6days.com. For details of products by Paul and other good products, visit creationtoday.org or creationstore.org. Mm -hmm.